0: Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now
1: let's join the service already in progress. Um, and I believe that God is birthing revival all across the world. We're seeing it everywhere. One of the interesting things to me about this particular move of God that I've noticed Um, And I'm not going to take long here, I hope. Uh, But I've noticed that this one's a little bit different. In in old days, we would say this. If the preacher didn't get to preach, then we had revival. But I'm convinced that one of the hallmarks of what I'm seeing happen around the nation right now is that uh, interspersed into worship and in between worship sessions, people are so hungry for God's Word that God is still allowing ministers to bring the Word. They're just not known ministers. They're not not celebrities. There's people standing up bringing the word. The Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but His word will never pass away. And so I don't want you to think, well, we shut worship off today. We didn't get to go for three hours like we did last week, so we're not in revival. Hogwash. When we hear God's word, it produces revival in us, and it gives us a foundation from which we know how to worship. So I just want you to keep pressing in, keep pressing in as we go into God's Word because I think His Word's going to help us today, um, and so I want you to stay there with me. Um, there's this thing that happens on long road trips. How many of you have taken long road trips with small children? Raise your hand. All right, you know that there's a question that uh, after about mile one, they start asking that that grates on your last nerve. It is the question that every parent loathes. It's from, it comes from the back seat where they're battling uh, the two kids are battling over real estate. I don't know if y'all did this, but we did this. We would put uh, masking tape down the middle of the, the vinyl seats to mark off territory to keep from killing one another. And then we, from the back seat, from the beginning, we would begin to ask this question that no parent ever wants to hear. Are we... There yet, yeah. And so we would uh, we would make threats, and they would be increasingly um, they would increase in volume as the miles would pass by. We would say stuff like, "Don't make me come back there," and "Do you want me to come back there?" No, I don't want you to come back there. Are we there yet? And we would ask, and we would we would we would um, invent these games that would help us pass uh, the, the the mileage as it would go by over and. And I started thinking about this in our desire to get to there. How many cool moments, how many adventures did we miss? How many things did we forget to see out the window that if we hadn't been so consumed with getting there that we would have paid attention and we would have recognized that was one of the most important parts of the journey. But we just want to know, are we there yet? I think that's what happens to believers when we start talking about Easter. Easter is what separates Christianity from every other faith because there are a lot of faiths. I need you to understand that this morning. There are a lot of faiths that people say that they were Messiah that died. The difference between our Messiah and their Messiah is that when our Messiah died, he didn't stay in the grave, he rose again, am I right? And so so, so I I understand that Easter is our Super Bowl, it's our Disneyland, but but I want us to slow down, that's what we've been doing, because there are some really important things that happened in the journey to Easter. On this road to Easter, there are some things that happened in Jesus' life that we need to be aware of because they have implications for us. So we're going to do that this morning if you have your little card uh that we've been working on i want you to get it out we're going to uh, fill in another blank blank we've been we've been in this this is our third week so on the first week we talked about sunday was triumphal entry day where people worshiped jesus Um, and then we said on monday uh, we talked about this um, last week jesus cleanses the temple he makes room for the sick and the lame and so that's where we've stopped we're going to fill in uh, Tuesday today, but before I do, let me set the scene. Um, you won't find this in every gospel, but in Matthew and in Mark, I'm not going to read it to you. You'll need to do this yourself. Uh, the account is given that after Jesus cleanses the temple and he does some other stuff, he he at the end of the day, he goes back and he spends the evening with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in their home. The next morning, on Tuesday morning, he gets up and he starts his journey back to Jerusalem again to go to the temple like he's been doing every day. One of the things that Matthew and Mark tells us happened is that on the way to the temple that morning, Jesus must have missed his Cheerios. Nobody cooked him scrambled eggs. Nobody had the bacon. They didn't eat bacon. Uh, they, 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 they didn't have Bojangles on the, on the stop, you know. So he, the Bible says in Matthew Mark that Jesus was hungry. And as he's walking down the path towards Jerusalem, there's a fig tree there. When he sees the fig tree from a distance, the fig tree looks like it's a good tree. It's bloomed. The Bible says it's got leaves. It's not like a West Oklahoma scrub brush tree. It's like it has life in it. And he walks up to the tree to get his breakfast, his happy meal, his uh, breakfast burrito in the shape of a fig. And the Bible says that it was barren. And the Bible says that Jesus cursed the fig tree. And I only mentioned that to you this morning because I want to remind you that Jesus does more than just inspect fruit. Jesus expects fruit. When you're, in a, when you're in an environment that is, is productive to uh, fruit, then, then Jesus expects you to produce fruit. And I just wanted to tell you this morning, whether you recognize it or not, I need you to know that here at Passion this morning, at, in the environment that you're in, you are an envi- in an environment that should be producing, you should be producing fruit in your life. So I just wanted to drop that in, that's free. He goes on to the temple and he's confronted by religious leaders. And if you read it, what ha- I'm not going to read it to you. Uh, you read it, what happens is that Jesus spends the bulk of the, that day uh, ta- talking in parables about the fact that the religious leaders have rejected Jesus as their Messiah. He, he Over and over, we're going to get back into this on Easter, one of the parables he tells. But over and over and over again, he tells parable after parable after parable, stating to the religious, the church folks, you've missed me as Messiah. You've rejected me as Messiah, right? Okay, so that's what happens. And then, he, to, to, to make uh, the day complete at the temple, Jesus looks at the, the church folks and he says, you're a bunch of vipers, Jesus wasn't exactly politically correct. He was, he was a maverick. He was a prophet, and he said, you're a bunch of snakes. I didn't come to tell y'all y'all are snakes today, by the way. That's how Jesus conducted Sunday morning. I'm not going to do that this morning. Interestingly enough, I think there's something that, in, that we want to focus on this morning. He goes, after he does all that, the Bible says that Jesus makes his way back to the Mount of Olives... And he sits down and he begins to have a discussion with his disciples. And so on Tuesday, get your little card and write this in. On Tuesday, what Jesus does is he hands out hope. He hands out hope. I'm going to read to you what Jesus uh, begins to say. I just need to, this is a public service announcement. When I begin to read what Jesus says to his disciples, you're going to think I've lost my mind to say that Jesus hands out hope, because it doesn't sound like it. But you got to read the whole thing. Are you here this morning? Okay, here we go. Luke chapter 21, we're going to begin reading in verse 18. We're going to read in several places. Listen to, uh, sorry, verse 8, 21 verse 8. Listen to what he says. Jesus says, watch out for the doomsday deceivers. Many leaders are going to show up with forged identities claiming I'm the one or the end is near. Don't fall for any of that. When you hear of wars and uprisings, keep your head and don't panic. This is routine history and no sign of the end. He went on, now listen, I said he handed out hope. Listen to what he says. Nation will fight nation, and ruler will fight ruler over and over. Huge earthquakes will occur in various places. There will be famines. <laughs> Steve, you've lost your mind. You'll think at times that the very sky is falling, but before any of this happens, they'll arrest you. Hope. Oh. They, they, they will hunt you down. They will drag you into court and jail. It will it will go <laughs> it will go from bad to worse. Dog eat dog, everyone at your throat because you carry my name. You'll end up on the witness stand, called to testify. You'll make up your mind right now not to worry about it. I'll give you the words and the wisdom that will reduce all your accusers to stammer stammers and stutters. You'll even be turned in by parents. Isn't this great news this morning? Uh, and brothers and relatives and friends, some of you will be killed. Hope, yeah. Uh, There's no telling who will hate you because of me. Even so, every detail of your body and soul, even the hairs of your head, is in my care. Nothing of you sh- will be lost. Stay, Staying with it. That's what is required. Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry. You'll be saved. Verse 25, it will seem like all hell has broken loose, sun, moon, stars, earth, sea, in an uproar, and everyone all over the world in a panic. The wind knocked out of them by the threat of doom. The powers that, that be quaking. And then, here it comes, and then, 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 then they will see the Son of Man welcomed in grand style, a glorious welcome. When all this starts to happen, up on your feet, stand tall with your heads high, help is on The way, the NIV says that last verse like this, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Yeah, yeah, verse 34, but be on guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties and drinking and shopping. Otherwise, that day is going to take you by complete surprise, spring on you suddenly like a trap for it's going to come on everyone, everywhere at once. So whatever you do, don't fall asleep at the wheel. Pray constantly that you will have strength and wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up on your feet before the Son of Man. I need to remind you what's taking place. Jesus has now cursed a tree. He has now cursed religious leaders. And he sits down with his disciples. And I need you to be reminded that we're talking about Tuesday Tuesday is 48 hours he's got he's literally got 48 hours and he will find himself betrayed by one of his closest followers he's 48 hours from finding himself in a garden on his knees saying God please if there's any other way find another way i can't even handle this so so much agony so much distress that the bible says that his sweat became like great drops of blood 48 hours from having soldiers march into a hidden place of prayer and arrest him and slap him and spit on him 48 hours before uh, one of his, his closest friends denies him three times 48 hours before he's par- paraded in front of religious leaders And they make false accusations against him. They arrest him. And they send him towards crucifixion. 48 hours. Jesus is literally facing his worst days. 48 hours from his worst days. Facing separation from his followers. Facing separation from his earthly mother that he loved, facing separation from his heavenly father, 48 hours. That is the environment, that is the scene that we have just read. And now in the middle of that, facing his worst uh, days, a switch takes place. And in light of all that he's about to face, Jesus switches focus and looks ahead to our worst days. Listen to what he says. He says, nation fighting nation. Rulers will fight rulers. Earthquakes. Men falling down dead on Monday night football. Famines. Betrayals. Powers that be will be shaken. The threat of doom. Panic. Men will lose their heart. Believers will become persecuted. They will be hunted down for their beliefs. They will be imprisoned for their faith. They they will be turned in and they will be turned on by their family members. Ridiculed, despised, loathed. All hell breaks loose. Our worst days, our current days. Jesus pulls off to the side of Mount of Olives, sets his disciples down, and knowing that he's about to face the worst days of his life, forecasts and prophesies and looks to March of 2023 and talks about what it's going to be like today. And in the middle of that, he says this. When you see all these things, look up. Get your head up. Jesus is teaching us that perspective matters. Your gaze matters. Your focus matters. Jesus teaches us that we must keep our eyes and our head up. He says it like this in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. He says, in the middle of all this, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down. Jesus is literally telling us that if our head goes down, then our hope runs out. That, that, that he teaches us that, that heavy hearts are resolved by lifted heads. He teaches us that, that, that the, the, the path to the cross has to be a journey through the cross. He teaches us that we've got to get our heads up. See, here's the deal. The disciples are sitting there knowing that Jesus has prophesied his own death in 48 hours. All this is going to happen, and they want help from Jesus. And instead, Jesus, he doesn't give them help. He gives them hope. Hope. Jesus teaches us, hear me this morning, Jesus teaches us that if we don't have any hope, we cannot be of any help. If you are consumed and overwhelmed by what is going on in the world around you so that you have to spend your days, according to Jesus, partying and drinking and shopping just so that you can numb yourself so that you can ignore what's going on around you, then that means you don't have any hope, and therefore you won't be able to help so 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 if all you can do is say i'm gonna i'm gonna distract myself we sang it i just want one thing the only problem with that is most of us don't just want one thing we want a lot of things if you would give me more money then i would have hope if you would give me more possessions i would have hope if you would give me more whatever i would have hope and we've missed the fact that jesus is calling us to a place of no mixture where we have one hope our gaze is fixed on one thing and one thing alone that we have hope and he tells us that we cannot let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled how does our expectation get dulled by distractions so I gotta ask you a question are we supposed to help people yeah 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 we talked about that before we're we are called to serve we're called to help people but let me just help you this morning and tell you that Jesus understood that help runs out hope doesn't see Jesus understood that here's the fact you can say Steve I need your help I got fine I got financial bills that I just can't pay I'm at wit's end I'm about to lose everything can you come to my rescue and Steve can go home and empty out all of his bank account won't get you much but I'll empty it all out sell my car my house give it to you The dilemma is is that at some point in your future, unless you have learned to manage and steward correctly and gone through Dave Ramsey (laughs) and live like nobody else so you can live like nobody else, because the pattern has been set up in your life, you don't know how to handle what God has already given you because we don't have have a financial issue. We have a stewardship issue most of the time. And and so I could give you everything, but unless you've learned all that, what's going to happen is that within two to three months, six months, go ask somebody that's ever won the lottery, you will discover. That once again they discover that their bank account goes empty. If I could just win the lottery, poor man's tax. If I could just scratch it off, and win the ten million dollars, I'd be set for life. Yeah, about six months. And you'll be in the poor house again because help runs out. You say, Well, Steve, the help I need is I need healing. And I can bring you to Jesus and Jesus can heal you. But can I just tell you that at some point due to the the sin of the world we live in and because we age and our bodies break down, can I just tell you that even though Jesus heals you from what you're dealing with right now, most likely at some point in your future you're going to deal with some other ailment because help runs out. Ooh, it's quiet up in this house this morning. I can promise you a resurrected life right now because Jesus says that he came to give you life and life more abundantly, and I can promise you that you can have a resurrected life, but can I just tell you that Scripture also makes this statement. It is appointed to man for to once to die. All of, all of us are going to go back in the tomb at some point. He may resurrect your life right now, but at some point, Jesus tarries. You are going to find yourself in a cemetery somewhere because help runs out. help runs out but hope hope never runs out can I just say this to you this can I just be do I even need your permission can I be really blunt with you this morning our greatest asset our greatest gift in this body is this our hope That is the greatest gift we have to offer anybody. That's the greatest asset that we have to offer the world around us that's panicking and fighting and freaking out and thinking all hell's broken loose and the sky is falling and it's all over. What we have that they don't have that we must give them is not necessarily our help. What they need is our hope. See, this is what happened. Okay, stay with me. I grew up. In the, in the era I grew up with, I was surrounded by people that I would say this about them. This is how we would, we would describe them. They were so heavenly minded that they were no earthly good. We, we would huddle together inside the four walls. It was us four no more. We didn't want anybody else in. It, it was just us. And we would sing our national anthem called I'll Fly Away because we wanted to escape the nasty now and now. I didn't want to deal with it. Jesus is going to come back. I don't have to deal with it. I can run up my credit card because Jesus come back. I don't have to deal with it. Now let's fly away. Right? That was the day I lived in. But I think what Jesus recognized would happen has happened. And that is that the pendulum in our lives as believers has swung so far the other way that now the people That have the greatest gift and the greatest asset have ducked their heads and shifted their gaze to now when you talk to believers instead of us being hopeful we're hopeless so now when you talk to believers all we can do is talk about what the national news tells us is reality turn the news off for God's sake Everywhere I turn, believers that should have hope should be filling the atmosphere with hope. Our head is ducked. We have no hope. We are convinced that devastation is at every turn. Sickness is at every turn. Destruction is around every corner. Division is rampant. Division is everywhere. I'm disillusioned. I'm disappointed, and I have no hope. And when I have no hope, I cannot be of any help. But it is time... To remember that our worst day gives birth to our best day. Yeah, the, I, I just, I, I got to tell you, the darker it gets, Jesus says, "The darker it's going to get, they're going to hate you. They're going to arrest you. They're going to con- they're going to convince your family to, to put you in prison and to, to to attack you. People are going to lose their minds. The darker it gets, the closer it is to when He returns." Jesus looks beyond the cross and even looks beyond what we fix on, fixate on, which is Easter and His resurrection, and He says, "Lift your hearts." And lift your heads and remember that our f- hope is fixed on his return. I'm gonna offend you. I'm gonna be an equal opportunity offender this morning. I just need to tell you this morning. I my hope is not fixed on a political system. My hope is not fixed on Joe Biden. My hope is not fixed on Donald Trump. My hope is not fixed on the Senate. My hope is not fixed on the House of Representatives. My hope is not fixed on a Supreme Court. My hope is not fixed on a Constitution, even though I am thankful for it and will fight for it. My hope is not fixed on America. My hope is not fixed on Israel. My hope is not fixed on man's remedies. My hope is fixed on the one who is coming back for us. And because we've forgotten it, our heads go down and our hearts go down and we're unable to provide anybody with any help because we don't have any hope. Our hope must be firmly fixed. Our gaze must be securely fastened to the heavens above for the day when our king will return with healing in his wings and power in his hands. And I just need to help you this morning. Worry is an indication that you have lost your hope. I need to tell somebody in the room this morning that your overwhelming anxiety about what's happening in the world around us is an indication that you are no longer aware that Jesus is about to come back. I just want to tell somebody again this morning, you've heard it all your little life until you don't even believe it anymore, and I can barely get a shout out of born-again, heaven-bound Christians, but I need to remind you this morning that he is coming, he is coming, he is coming. Get your hope up, get your head up, heads up, get your eyes up, get your hearts up, get your hope back. My hope is secure in him. This isn't the end. It's the beginning. And so Jesus says, don't let the sharp edge of what? Your expectation When's the last time you got in your car and weren't so consumed by what was going on around you that as you're staring out your windshield, your eyes go up to the clouds and you go, could this be the day? This might be the day. Is there a part in that cloud? Did I just hear a trumpet or was it in my radio? What is going on? I just need to see if anybody can get their gaze fixed back on what really is our hope. I have hope this morning. I am not going to allow the sharp edge of my expectation to be dulled by distractions. I'm not going to be, allow my, the sharp edge of my, my expectations to be dulled by detours. I'm not going to let them be dulled by delay. I'm not going to let them be dulled by what's going on, devastation around me. I'm not going to allow any of that to get in the way. If you need an old song to sing, let me just help you this morning and teach you an old one. It goes something like this. What have I to fear? What have I to dread? I'm gonna lean on his everlasting arms. I, the writer goes on and he, say, he makes this statement. He says, I have blessed what? Peace. Why do I have blessed peace? He says, He says, My Lord is so near. And for whatever reason, we have forgotten that Jesus is on his way back. And it's all lining up. And we want to talk about how bad it's getting good. Because the worse it gets, the closer he is to coming back. Some of y'all have heard that all your life. Now that you don't even believe it anymore, I got news for you. If you believe the Easter story, then why wouldn't you believe what Jesus says before he dies? When he says, look, look around you. When you see all this happening, get your head up. Get your head up. Get your eyes up. Get your hope up. Get your, get your, your, your expectation. Get it back. Quit walking around like, like a mule who sucked a golf ball out of a gopher hole. All pruned up. Y'all, we're the most pruned up people in the world. We can't get no joy. We can't get no laughter. We can't get a shout. We can't get a dance because I watch the news and, and chicken cost $9,000 a pound and eggs. I could sell eggs for gold and, and the gas is so high and electricity costs me so much and they're fighting in the Ukraine and China's sending blimps and, and what are we gonna do? What we're gonna do is do this where you at where you at because I'm waiting on you I'm expecting you I'm expecting you he is near he's near live like it believe like it walk like it we should be the most hopeful people on the planet the psalmist says it like this. Come on, worship me. The psalmist says it like this over and over again. He says it on multiple occasions. I'm going to read two, two of the occasions. They sound identical. He makes this statement. He says, lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Psalm 42, 11, Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Different version. Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? fix my eyes on God, fix my eyes on God, so I'll be praising again, he puts a smile on my face, because he's God, listen, I just need to tell you today, that I'm I'm not denying reality, the days are dark, I'm not denying reality, The, 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 the sands under our feet are shifting, I, I, I'm not denying that that folks have lost their ever-loving minds. They have. People are going crazy. Like cray-cray crazy. Like over-the-top crazy. Like, am I right? People that you thought had it all together are suddenly full of panic and full of anxiety. Can't get out of bed. But without hope, you can't help. And what I am asking you to do as passion people is I'm asking you to follow what Jesus says. When he says this, he says, when all these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So my question for you this morning is simply this, because this is the issue. This is the crux of the matter. This is what Jesus knew would get his disciples through the next 48 hours. Do you have any hope? Because if you don't have any hope, how are you going to help? You can't do it. So what I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do, to do today is not heal your body because help runs out. You say, well, you don't know how sick I am. We'll get there. He's going to take a beating in the next 48 hours that will provide health for your body. Right? So he didn't, he didn't discount that. But I'm not asking for him to heal your health this morning. I'm not asking for him to heal your finances this morning. We've already done that. I'm not asking him to heal your marriage this morning. I'm not asking him to heal your relationships this morning. I'm asking him to heal your hope. Because if you could stink and get some hope then you'd be able to walk through anything with your head held high saying, I got a king that's coming. He's coming for me. Would you just stand up on your feet this morning? And would you just say this with me before they sing, King of glory, come in. King of glory, come in. King of glory, come in and provide my life with hope this morning. Give me 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 hope this morning. Come on, folks, get get yourself full of hope as they sing, give him a room to give you hope. We'll let him fill you with
0: hope this morning.
1: moment right now if you're in the room and you say Steve I've lost hope I feel hopeless I don't feel hopeful I feel hopeless I want you to just raise your hand right there where you're standing be honest the days that I'm living in what I'm facing what's going on in my life are so overwhelming that at this very moment I feel hopeless Come on, look around you at the hands. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Move, 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 move. If you're standing some, next to someone that's got their hands up, would you just go to them right now and lay your hands on them? And then this is how I need you to pray. God, fix their eyes on Jesus today. Jesus, you're the only one that brings hope. We fix our eyes on you. We take our eyes off of what's going on around us, what, what, what's coming against us, and we instead, we adjust our gaze. We fixate on you, Jesus. On the approach that you're, you're 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 coming soon you're you're approaching our life even now, King of glory, come in right into the middle of hopeless situations right in the middle of hopeless days, right in the worst moment of our life God would you allow the king of glory to be ushered in and bring hope, bring hope, bring hope, make us hopeful in this moment we put our Hope in you. Only you, Jesus. Nothing else, no one else will do. I will not fear. I will not dread. I will not drop my head. I will not drop my eyes. I will not drop my arms, my hands, my heart because my eyes are fixed on you. I look to the hills. I'm like I'm like the the the, the prophet's servant who went out and saw that we were surrounded by the enemy. But I go out again and I lift up my eyes and I recognize that all around our enemy they are surrounded by the angel of the Lord and his mighty host and we're surrounded by your presence and your goodness and your faithfulness and your mercy and your provision in our life so we have hope. We hope in you, Jesus. We put our hope in you. I place my hope in you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this
0: time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv Remember, you can't live without
1: passion.